episode 45. I want to thank all of you once again for joining us. My name is Ace Stallings, and this is, as always being, or not always, but most of the time, being recorded on the south side of Richmond, Virginia, in Studio F12. I hope everybody's been doing good out there. I, uh, you know, if you guys got good news, I want to hear it. Uh, at us, at me, Sam, what have you. Uh, you know, want to hear about uh, good things going on in people's lives right now. I know that we are kind of getting onto the back end of winter. It can be a depressing time for people. I want to hear about the positivity going down. Um, at the beginning of these episodes, we always shout out our recent Patreon subscribers. Uh, we have a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash form of passion. And what you can do over there is uh, you're going to get an additional episode for $2 a month. So that's going to be an additional 12 episodes a year for 24 bucks. Uh, and what you're going to get there is you're going to get uh, an additional episode that, that's more conversation-based. It's not like the regular interview format that we normally you know do here. And you're going to get... Uh, different guests, different subjects. It's, you know, right now we're, uh, we're in the middle of a two parter where we just did the part one with, uh, Tom Dom from trail of lies and gold set merch and Ryan braces of brace war and United blood. And, uh, we're, we're just discussing like merchandise through the ages, mainly over the past 20 years in hardcore, but we're just kind of talking about it in general. And we were having such a good time with the last one that we're going to do a part two coming up. That'll be uh, out at the end of this month. Um, so if that sounds like something fun for you, something that you'd be into, please subscribe over there. Um, and also what we do is we announce uh, people that have subscribed uh, to the Patreon at the beginning of each episode. So if you do sign up there, you're going to get a public shout out over here on the main feed. Uh, the first uh, person I want to shout out is Tyler DePaula. I uh, hope you said your last name right. Uh, he was in uh, Caught in a Crowd. He's done art for uh, Sam and I's old band Breakaway, and he does like a lot of like uh, graphic design and layouts and stuff. I know he's done a bunch of other bands as well. Um, I remember he was in Straight Razor. Uh, I want to say he's been he's done some rock stuff. Uh, Tyler, at, at me with whatever you've done because I, I want to get it out there. Um, we got Alexander Stone. Thanks for joining us on Patreon over there. Uh, we got Kyle Smutsky. You have a fun last name. Um, oh, Tom Damiano uh, of uh, you know who I mentioned earlier. Shout out to you for uh, being on the most recent Patreon and uh, subscribing there. Uh, Yoon Sang Du of Abuse of Power. I want to say he was in Society Abuse as well. I hear that he's opening up his own record shop. Um, that's awesome. I believe it's going to be in Atlanta. Um, shout out to him. I, you and I don't know if you're in memory screen. Um, if you are, shout out to memory screen as well. I uh, got somebody subscribing that his name is just Tommy. That's T-O-M-I. That applies to you. Shout out. Uh, this is a very special subscription because he is, this person is uh, the subject or at least mentioned on many Patreon episodes. And I'm going to read it just as he has put his name uh, in his subscription. Uh, shout out to Joseph Dubizzle Francis, aka Dub. Uh, really, uh, that that's a that's a huge feather in our hats that you're joining us on Patreon over there. And uh, last but not least, we have uh, Chris. So thanks again for joining us on Patreon. As you can see, a lot of different people are joining us over there. It's really fun. You know, I know this is a long ad for that, but 
you know, like that that's the Patreon is what keeps this going and we love seeing the numbers go up. We, we got a particular goal we're trying to meet and uh, we're getting closer to there each episode. We would love it if you would join us. Today, uh, we have on um, uh, a special guest and a lot of our guests are special, but this one's extra special uh, to me because something that I think that is not as big and hardcore as I used to see and something that I, I really like and something that attracted me to the genre uh, initially is larger-than-life personalities, larger-than-life figures, characters. And uh, I would say this particular guest is uh, <laughs> larger-than-life physically as uh, much as they are figuratively. Um, we have on today Mr. Brody King of God's Hate, um, Van Nuys Hardcore, SoCal Legend, uh, and uh, professional wrestler. Um, you know, like just just listing all those things right there. That is that is an iconic figure. Um, but uh, you know, I won't take up any more of your time. I want to get into this and uh, talk about God's Hate's new record and uh, just kind of like the the rise of of that band in general. So uh, we're gonna get right into it. Mr. King, how are you doing? Hello, my brother Ace. How are you? That's been too long, sir. It really has. I honestly can't remember the last time we saw each other. Oh, dude. Um. Wait, were you at sound, the last Sound of Fury? No, I wasn't. I'm, man. I'm trying to think of when it would be. Um, it, when was the last time God's Hate was out east? When we played that show at like three o'clock in the morning. Okay, so that, if that was the last time, dude, that might be the last time that you and I saw each other, and that would be two thousand three, three years ago. Yeah, seventeen or eighteen, man. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Whew, but uh, so are you? You know, paying attention to the promo for the new record. Are are you in Van Nuys currently? Uh, I, I live Van Nuys adjacent. I live in Silmar. Silmar. Are you originally from Van Nuys? No. Where are you? Where are you originally? Where's Where's the Where's the the birthplace of Brody King? The birthplace is Santa Cruz, California. Really? Uh, the growing up place is Palmdale, California, which is about forty five minutes north of Los Angeles. Okay. And then uh, I've resided in the San Fernando Valley for the last ten years. How did so you're so you, you were originally up north? How long were you in Santa Cruz? Uh, till I was. Are we recording now? Yeah, we are. Oh wow, we're already going. Yeah, we're just. Uh, we're, we're, I, so I was born in Santa Cruz. My that's where my parents met and uh, got married and everything. I think I was only there until about two or three. It, it was it was very early, and then we moved to. Uh, to Fresno, California. What like so? You, what took your family from going from like from Fresno or from Santa Cruz to Fresno? Like like what like kind of like how did they? Is is your family originally from like Northern California or or was that just kind of like a, like a weird like happenstance that they ended up there? So my mom is kind of from everywhere. Like I think she was born in Iowa, and then they like lived pretty much in like every state my dad my grandfather was like a con man he like kind of just you know he was a hustler so he kind of got uh ran out of most places my mom has like you know told me stories where she remembers 
going to like stuff like that like he was always like the kind of guy where i was like all right guys pack your stuff up we gotta go and then they just moved to a different state and oh. you know she thought that was kind of normal until she grew up and was like wait a second like what were you into but he he was just kind of like that his whole life like until he died he was just kind of a, a hustler and always always had something going on whether it be you know shifty or not but um yeah the, the last settlement was pretty much in uh santa cruz and uh, he opened a restaurant on the boardwalk, and uh, it was called Dietzel's Kitchen, Dietzel's Country Kitchen. And um, my dad was like a, he was like a drifter. He kind of a vagabond of sorts. He just kind of went from place to place. Um, he grew up in Southern California. That's where his, you know, dad resided. And he had a really bad childhood, um, divorced parents abusive parents like the whole nine yards he pretty much uh ran away when he was 13 um didn't get much schooling after that he after and you know did what he had to do to survive uh was passing through santa cruz and my grandfather i guess saw him going back and forth uh for a few days and my my grandfather was like hey do you want some food and he's just and my dad said like i don't have any money he goes no don't worry about it my grandfather gave him some food and he's just like, Hey, do you want a job? Like I got to build this patio for this 4th of July party. And my dad's like, yeah, sure. So he like, you know, was a handyman of sorts and was helping my grandfather build this patio. And my mom saw my dad and apparently ran into the fence because she wasn't paying attention while she was backing out <laughs> of the driveway. And uh, yeah, the rest was history. I guess they were inseparable ever since that's, that's a, that's so a, that's a very then i came story. then i came into the picture and uh my sister came in the picture and yeah so we were uh, we lived in watsonville which is like right adjacent to santa cruz okay and uh my dad was in the oil drilling business uh he would go around and drill for oil cap it off and like kind of find where the spots you know surveying the the land i guess and uh he did that until I was about, I think, six or seven. And then uh, he started to get his days in the film industry with my grandfather uh, on my dad's side. He was, he grew, or he had been a uh, set lighting technician for the, um, the entertainment business for years. And uh, finally got my dad to like come down and get his days and like become a union member. And my dad was commuting back and forth for about a year. Uh, he would go from he would leave on Sunday night uh, in Fresno, go and stay with his dad all week, drive back Friday night, spend the weekend with us, and kind of did that for a whole year until he realized you know he wasn't getting enough family time, so he packed us up and moved us to Palmdale, California, which is about you know an hour away from his job now instead of six hours away. What kind of like do you remember like any kind of like movies that he was working on in particular or shows? Uh, so I think the the show that he got his days on uh, is some western with like a bunch of girl cowboys. I can't remember the name of it. What do you What do you mean by days? Because I I don't know like the okay. So when you when you become a union member, you have to get your your union days, and to become a union member, there has to be basically all union members are working and or don't want to take work. So therefore, you can hire outside of the union. Uh, and then that's when you start to get your days, then you pay your initiation fee, then you become initiated in the union. It's kind of a difficult process. Uh, and it's a very tight, like 
you got to know somebody or have family in the business to kind of get into it. Um, but yeah, that's what I meant by getting, getting your okay. days. Okay. I got you. Cause, cause you, I mean like, like, you know, my limited knowledge, you end up doing this yourself at some point later, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, when I turned 18, it was kind of like go to college or go work for my dad. And well, it's not really working for my dad. It's like working for my dad and everyone he's known for the last 20 years. Um, but yeah, I ended up doing that until, you know, I still have my union card now. So for the last 15 years. Gotcha. So how, how old were you when you moved to Palmdale? Uh, eight, seven eight, or eight, eight, seven or eight. Okay. I remember you saying that. So you moved to Palmdale and like, what do you remember being like, so to speak, like different from, you know, like your, your like life prior to, you know, cause you've been in the Valley, like since, like, since I've known you, you said you've been there for like, you know, since you were eight until now, uh, like kind of like like was the transition easier like you know easy for you or was it kind of like one of those things because i remember i moved like uh just not even that far away from here for like a tiny little bit when i was like younger and it was like like tough for me was it like a easy move for you or was it like a hard move uh i think it was pretty easy i mean <clears throat> my mom did at home daycare for many years and kind of continued that um when we moved to palmdale so you know, as a kid, I, I was always used to kind of like a rotating cast of like friends at home. And then so I, I think it like wasn't very different from moving um, from Fresno to, to Palmdale. Uh, I think I was starting in like grade four, maybe. So it was like it was very young. Uh, you know, it was it wasn't that that rough of a transition. Gotcha. Were I mean, like, you know, your dad being in involved in kind of the film industry and and things uh like in kind of like everything associated with that like was like did he ever like encounter anything like like musical and like bring that home was like was your family like a, like a musical family yeah so my parents were always like they, they were always kind of like current with what was going on with music like i remember you know my a lot of classic rock my dad's like favorite bands were like black sabbath and acdc and pink floyd and stuff like that but he kind of like kept up with whatever was going on in music like even like more aggressively like he, the guys at work would show him bands like i remember he brought home like a tool cd and he brought home like oh. rage against the machine and uh, uh nirvana and stuff like that so like you know rock music was always very constant in our household for sure for sure i mean he sounds like a rebel anyway so i i feel like that type of stuff probably like he i like struck a nerve with him yeah um, we could probably do a whole podcast just about his life i mean it sounds like <laughs> like you <laughs> you dropped real quickly yeah he was like a, like, a, like a vagabond and like 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 my grandfather was like a con man on the other side <laughs> you know whatever i'm like oh, okay i'm seeing yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing he's the, the type where like you'll get like one really crazy story a year out of him like <laughs> at christmas you're like he's like yeah you know this one time i got arrested because i was you know I had Coke in the car and a gun and like, I was only 14. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like <laughs> dad, like just piecing it. You just like piecing it together. Like over life. That's interesting. Yeah. Though. If you get, if you're getting like a good, like a hot story each year, uh, you catalog it, you know, put, put something out there. Um, My wife loves it. Does she? Um, but, uh, I mean, heck I love it. Like <laughs> I'm only hearing about it for the first time, but so you, uh, in, you know, like growing up like around there, you know, whatever, like, uh, like I, I tend to find when I'm talking to people kind of, uh, about finding 
like hardcore punk or metal. Uh, right about around the time period you're talking about, or maybe a little bit later, is kind of like where I feel like people, you know, kind of like first discover, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And with you, you have like a whole separate thing as well with like the wrestling. Um, when you discovered like a like kind of like aggressive music, was it around that time period because of stuff that your dad had brought home, or, or did this happen later? Uh, so it happened a little later. So I mean. You know, that style of music, like I would listen to ACDC and stuff like that, but I didn't really have like a favorite band or I wasn't like seeking out music yet. Um, it wasn't until I started like hanging out with the kids in my neighborhood. Uh, I was probably like 10 or 11 and the kids that I was hanging out with were, like were maybe like 13. So they were like just about to go into high school, like later junior high. So they they were like, uh into skateboarding which kind of got me into skating and uh they would always be playing the the epitaph punkorama uh, compilation cds okay. um and that's kind of like what i you know i wanted to listen to what they listen to. i wanted to you know be cool with them or whatever so i remember going to there used to be i don't know if they had this in on the east coast but they used to have this place called warehouse music which was like um new and used like cds and stuff like that that you could go and buy and they had like dvds and stuff like that okay but they didn't have dvds at the time probably tapes whatever but uh i remember going into warehouse music and saying like i want skateboard music like to like the person that worked there and he's like what i don't know what that is what do you mean <laughs> and, yeah i didn't know what it is what either i just knew what it sounded like and yeah. i remember hearing over the loudspeaker they were playing a song and I said, I want this CD. What is this? And he went to like the disc changer in the back and it was bad religion, stranger than fiction. Ah, okay. And that was like, that was the first CD I ever bought. And it was like, this is, this is my thing. Like, this is why, I, this is what I want. And, uh, you know, I remember like reading all the fucking lyrics and reading the pamphlet and like looking at the artwork and that was like my shit. And then, uh, kind of like getting into, asking the the kids in my neighborhood you know more about what they were listening to and then showing my friends at school and then having my friends at school that had older brothers uh, i got into bands like pennywise and uh afi and stuff like that um more like punk driven stuff okay and uh at the same time uh new metal was starting to get very popular bands like corn limp biscuit slipknot and stuff like that and uh so it was like it was like a weird mix and when growing up in palmdale there, there's not like a very um everything is kind of just meshed like you either you, when you listen to aggressive music there's probably like a show that has like a punk band a new metal band and whatever else like playing a show it wasn't like segregated you know there it, everything was a big like mixing pot so i, I definitely listened to like slipknot and corn while i was listening to like pennywise and bad religion which you know now seems bizarre yeah but it's like well like what i'm curious what like you said corn's getting popular and like limp Bizkit and stuff like around like what year is this uh it was probably around like 99 2000 like okay. that's when i was coming out of like i think i was seventh or eighth grade and then going into i went into high school in 2001 okay were, had you had you like gone to like a show yet like at that point or is it just kind of like you're getting the music from like warehouse music and like stuff that you're like your like neighborhood skateboard friends are giving you uh 
I don't think I had gone to a show yet. Uh, it was definitely me, like, you know, downloading stuff on like LimeWire, like music videos and ah, yes. stuff like that, and and like live videos. And you know, there wasn't like big bands didn't really come to my town yet uh, very often. It wasn't like until high school where I kind of found like the local music scene. Gotcha. Was uh like. And that was kind of a question too. You said you were showing music to your friends at school. Um, like, what was what was school life like for you? I always find like that time period like super interesting with people about like kind of how how they sort of traversed like sort of the social scene. Like at school, some people like loved it. Some people like felt really outcast. Like, what was the experience like for you? Uh, I mean, I, I hated school. I, I kind of always hated school, but I always had like my group of friends that like. I don't even really know how we like became friends. It was, I remember when I was in fifth grade, I changed schools. So the Antelope Valley is like two big cities, Lancaster and Palmdale. And we, we lived in Lancaster and I moved to Palmdale. Uh, so I started fifth grade in a different school. And I remember the first day of school, um, I went and I tried to play kickball with the kids that were playing kickball and the po- popular kid at school. His name was Jarek felt. He told me I couldn't play kickball. And then he called me the uh, the F word. Ah, oh, yes. and uh, I beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you always been really big? Uh, no, I was probably about the same size as him. I didn't really grow until junior high. Um, so to yeah, say, I beat up yeah. Jared. Felt the popular kid in school, and then the next day, I I like had friends. Um, you know, one of my friends, Dave, is like my friend to this day, and like can he has like a weird photographic memory and like recounts like the whole thing. Well, respect for uh, for yourself. So I, yeah, I kind of had like the same group of friends from like fifth grade until I started going to like hardcore shows. Were you into like, was wrestling on your radar at, at like the middle school point yet? Or does that something that comes later as well? So that that's when wrestling kind of started to fade out. So wrestling was always a part of my life. My dad was a fan of wrestling and you know, that was like kind of our thing together. There's, there's not really a memory that I can think back to where wrestling wasn't in some facet of, of, of my life. Um, you know, growing up an undertaker fan and like the, the Legion of doom and stuff like that. Like the, I always like the darker characters in, in wrestling, but then, uh, getting into junior high when i started to find out about music you know wrestling was not as as cool as it was like sixth and seventh grade you know stone cold and the rock are the shit and then like you start to transition into high school and it's like you got kids that are you know making out with girls they don't want to hear you talk about stone cold steve austin (laughs) yeah and and Uh, and you said that you said that like you know kind of like you're like stuff for you musically started kind of expanding when you got into high school. Um, kind of like what was, you know, you're, you're listening to like the epitaph stuff. You're listening to like the skate music sort of what was, you know, like as you've been a fan of wrestling, but it's, it's kind of taking a backseat at the time. Uh, what was kind of like the next, the next step in your journey there? Like who, you know, kind of like, did, did you like meet like a group of kids or was it a, like a certain individual? Yeah, so like the kids that I I like hung out with in school, they they listened to, to more like new metal stuff. They listened to like Slipknot and Mudvayne and Tool and stuff like that. But then I I had other friends that listened to punk music, and um, I remember my friend Nigel's mom took us to a 
gutter mouth show when I was, a, I think, a freshman. It, it might have been like between eighth and ninth grade. Um, and we went to a gutter mouth show and that was like crazy. And, it, you know, there was this, it was in a shitty little bar in, in Palmdale. I don't, I don't even know if we were supposed to be in there or if we could have gotten in there without an adult. <laughs> but it was, it was awesome. I mean, you know, thinking back now, that band kind of sucks, but it was great at the time. And it was kind of a, you know, a gateway to me, like experiencing this stuff that I've been listening to for a couple of years uh, in, in reality. So, like you, so you like, had like gone with like like friends from school and stuff. Do you remember anybody else that played, or you just remember Guttermouth? It, it was definitely some local bands. I think one band's name was Screw Loose, okay. and uh, I don't know what the, any of the other bands. But Guttermouth was like the the headliner, and then we would always have like bigger punk bands come out. There was like a pretty big punk community in in Palmdale, um, in the Antelope Valley. Like the Casualties would come out usually once a year, and like. Okay. Um, I remember like leftover crack came out and played and that was like 700 people there. And it was like Damn. insane. Was but, so uh, like, was that was like, so like, was that kind of like a big thing there? Sort of like that, that street punk kind of like vibe. Was that sort of like the, the flavor or. Yeah. I think that street punk was definitely like the big, the big vibe out there at the time. Was any bands from that area that like, like I could say that it would be like more notable. Uh, do you remember that band slick shoes? I've heard the name. So I think they were from Palmdale. They were like a, I don't even, they might've been like a Christian band. I don't know, but <laughs> I remember like they were like the bigger band to come out of that area. Okay. I got you. Um, did you, did you ever play like instruments or anything or was it, was it all just kind of like, like at the time, at least just fandom? Yeah, it was just mostly fandom. I tried to play guitar and it just never really stuck. Like I would take guitar lessons and like, it just, I don't think it was just for me. No, I got you. I got you. So you're you're in school away from kind of like going to gigs with friends and are are you still skating at the time as well? Uh yeah, I mean I was terrible at it. I mean yeah. I couldn't do many tricks, but like I could like skate around the the, the skate park, so it was like I was kind of the kid that would film my friends. I, and I w- we were also like heavily into Jackass and CKY, so like whenever we had a video camera, it was just us hurting each other i remember this exact time period because i was that exact kid because <laughs> I, I wasn't very good at skating at all just because <laughs> when i would fall i was it wasn't be like oh like i like weigh like a buck 20 and i'm like like I, I don't hurt like i'm like i was like super heavy i would fall i'd be like oh i'm done for the day dude like i'm like hurt right now so i just film everybody else and doing the the cky like jackass stuff like that was like real big I, that's like a thing that like I, like for that time period, I feel like being a rambunctious young, especially man, was very important. Jackass, yeah, and, and like you shit. know, you could tell that they listened to like aggressive music too, like especially like CKY. Like you know, that was kind of like my my bible when I was in like junior high and and early high school. Oh hell yeah, dude! Like you know, like I mean, like like I, I remember being kind of confused at the time too because I was like, wait, there's a band called that. But also, there's like a <laughs> like I I didn't understand like what the the difference was. I was like, you mean all all these dudes are in that band? I don't I don't get it. And then you hear like the song, you know, um, which I I, I also finally remember from that time period. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, so you're doing that stuff like school sucks. I I hear you. School does suck. Um, it, you know, going to to like like the gigs, going to the punk gigs and stuff. Um. You know, wrestling not like not as like like not a thing yet again. Um, 
kind of what you know like like away from school being whack how did you kind of view your high school experience where where like you know it was like were times all right would was it were you having the kind of like a tough time you know away from your friends and stuff or were you just kind of coasting uh you know i i think i just kind of coasted like i i really just didn't give a shit about school like i would really liked music and uh yeah, I just, I don't know. I just never wanted to be at school. I, I had like my friends that were at school, but then like, I'd say my sophomore year is when I found hardcore music. And then when I made friends in the hardcore scene, it was kind of like me kind of like waiting every week until Friday where I could just like go and like hang out with my actual friends that and like, you know, do what I wanted to be at a show, moshing, whatever. How did you find hardcore? So I, I was actually just thinking about that. Uh, the, I, the a couple kids at school listen to hardcore music, and I don't know if like if I had class with them or something. But one of them like told me that I should go to this show, and it was at this venue called the El Dorado, which is like a Mexican restaurant by day, uh, dance club at night, but they also like rented it out to shows. And the whole venue had like mirrors all over the walls, which you could assume where this story is going mm. uh, that those uh, yes. mirrors did not stay intact. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was a, there was a band. What was the name? There, it was called get after eight or something like that. Okay. And they were like the local, like metalcore band. Gotcha. They were, they're pretty terrible, but there wasn't like a big hardcore scene yet. There was like metalcore bands, and then there was a few like hardcore bands that I found out about later. So it was like very heavily metalcore driven. And then the big show that happened when I was, I think when I was a sophomore, was a tray you came and played. Okay. And that was like when bigger bands started to come. After a tray you played there, it was like Avenged Sevenfold played there. And uh-huh. this was like before Avenged Sevenfold really popped off. And I remember there was like a bunch of older hardcore kids that had come out and they were wearing like black bandanas or like tied around their face and black hoodies. And they were just like pitting. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? This this? is crazy. (laughs) And, uh, that was like kind of my first exposure to a hardcore show. But I remember seeing this stuff. I would watch MTV two and they always had like the, the more like alternative music on there. And I remember they had hate breed the, um, the I will be heard music video. Oh yeah. Where it's like, like an industrial uh, venue and yep. like kids are just like pitting their asses off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking cool. And like, I remember buying the hate breed CD and like listening to it over and over and over again. And then when I saw that live, it was like, yeah, this is it. This is where I need to be. What was, uh, what CD was I will be heard on? Was it on? It's not per wait. Is it on perseverance? Uh, you, uh, you're testing my knowledge right now. Mm, I'm, I know there's, I know there's people listening to this right now that are just yelling at their phones. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, or like, no, uh, you idiots. Like, yes, it's on perseverance. Okay. I thought so. I thought so. Uh, yeah. Cause perseverance was my first quote unquote hardcore CD. It's a really good first CD. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> kind was, of set the tone for the rest of my, I would hardcore say career. it did like sonically for sure. Um, 
But so, so you get like, you, are you like traveling outside of Palmdale for gigs at all? Or is it all just kind of like within that area? It was all within that area. Okay. So up until probably my senior year, I didn't really start to, to go out of the area. Like my, my parents didn't really want me to leave, you know, because growing up in Palmdale, it's like an hour away from LA. And I guess, you know, to a parent, like you traveling to LA, like there's so much shit that can happen in los angeles so right i under i understand their concern now at the time i was like this sucks I, all i want to do is go to a show in the valley i mean i mean i mean obviously like as i, you know, I know that you're like your father now i'm sure your perspective changes you know like on, on stuff like that as you as you get older um i mean my dad was cool though like when i was into like new metal he took me to lots of shows like i went and saw like mudvayne and slipknot and all this stuff and he would like you know he wouldn't be like holding me like you know protecting me he'd be like yeah you know go in the mosh pit and i'd be getting slammed around my old men or whatever and he'd just be like kind of laughing at me all right and but yeah he would he would always take me to shows and like be there you know kind of wanting to be a part of it too so I, i i i also really you know enjoyed that about my my dad that's chill that, that that's cool that it wasn't like something that you had to kind of be like oh this is like a separate thing from like him no they, like he, 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 he liked it i don't know if he liked the music but he liked you know being a part of it chill that's 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 very cool so you find hate breed and you know the game has been changed uh you know do you are you just are you kind of like like I need to find more of this. Are you looking at like the thank you list and perseverance? Like kind of like, how did you start sort of finding new bands and, and, and like meeting new people in the scene and stuff? So like, like I said, I would watch like MTV too. And it's like, I kind of just, at first I didn't really, I didn't know that Hatebreed was like a hardcore band. And I thought they were like a metal band. And, oh. and a lot of people that listen to metal music were like, yeah, Hatebreed's cool. So it was like, that was like, just a metal band and then when i started going to hardcore shows it was like oh like this it's different and then i found bands like terror and like mm-hmm. terror one with the underdogs had come out and that record was the greatest thing i'd ever heard oh yes, yes that was indeed. 2001 i think when did when did lois of the low come out I, see. I, I, I thought I that think, was maybe 2001, but but I feel like your knowledge is going to be a little bit better than mine. Let's see. Uh, so, oh, one of the underdogs came out in 2004. So that okay, was that makes when sense. I was a, that was when I was a junior in high school. Gotcha, gotcha. I well, wanted to kind of. That was like when I really started to like. Every weekend was hardcore shows. And, and was and was there hardcore shows going on like every weekend in the area? Yeah, like so whether it be like local like I kind of found the kids at high school that listened to to hardcore music or they would listen to metalcore or whatever. It was kind of all the same to us. Like we would listen to Throwdown and Comeback Kid and, you know, Atreyu or whatever else. Like as long as there was like mosh parts and and breakdowns, it didn't really matter. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is I feel like at that time, I feel like th- there was like like a type of person that, that was like pretty like run of the mill. And then that sort of goes away for a while, like where it's like kind of like things sort of branching off and becoming kind of like micro scenes or like kind of like people having like different lanes of taste. I feel like now where we are, that's kind of like come back around. I feel like like the average, like not the average, but like a lot of like younger, like newer people to hardcore, they just kind of listen to everything. 
yeah, you'll you'll see a kid that like, yeah, I, I agree that they listen to to bands like Code Orange, and then they listen to like a, a youth crew band. You're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, which would be like unheard of like years yeah. ago, and like now it's like very very normal. Um, so it's it's interesting how cyclically you know things come back like that. So you're going to hardcore shows every weekend. What are some of the shows you're going to? Like, are are they all still just like in that area? Or like, when when do you kind of start traveling? So when I was a sophomore, so honestly, like, I don't know if it was happening before, but in my brain, this is kind of when it all started popping off. When Atreyu you started coming, it was almost like somebody had told the other bands, like, "Hey, there's a music scene here, and a shitload of people will show up." Because then it was like, like at least once a month there would be a big show, and I remember bands like Unearth and All That Remains, and like himsa and throwdown and remembering never like they all came and okay. it was like it was awesome and we we were kind of known for, as like the you know like the hidden spot in in california because we would everyone at the show would buy a shitload of merch there would always be like a couple hundred kids there and it was always crazy like i think that because we lived in like a little desert town we kind of had to um go a little bit harder than than other places to kind of you know get them to come back well yeah people if you live in a place like that playing a place like that rocks because you know everybody there like isn't spoiled they're not getting stuff all the time so they're super appreciative when people do come through um so yeah i, I see why that probably beca- like if there had been kind of like not stuff going on there prior and then you know when they when bands would come through like a treyu and like remembering never and throwdown and stuff and they're like oh all the kids there are super stoked on us. Then, like, yeah, of course, that you're gonna want to come back uh, and everything. So that, that that's cool how that happened. Um, so so it's popping, it's popping in Palmdale, it's popping in the desert. You're you're like kind of kind of getting the shows uh, all the time. Are kids traveling there from other places, perhaps? Uh, so I think it was my senior year, or I had just gotten out of high school. It might have been my senior year. And that's when I think kids from the Valley started to travel to Palmdale, at least to my knowledge. Um, that's when I met like Caesar and Aldo and Guzzi okay. and like all those guys, all the Valley guys. Right. Uh, I, they'd come out to like a, a first blood show or, or like a hood show or something like that. And that's when I met them. Okay. Chill. All right. So, so it's, it's coming together. You're, you're, you're meeting the, uh, the Valley cats. So that like, uh, you meet, you know, sort of like you meet those guys, like you're, you're getting kind of towards the end of high school anyway. Uh, you know, are, are they kind of like, do you start going to the Valley? Like, you know, like on your own, cause you like, like, like made that connection or, you know, kind of like how, how it's, you know, I see that the link is kind of building right there. Kind of like, how did that grow? Uh, so yeah, I, I just started going to more shows like outside of the Palmdale area. Um, I started going to Cobalt Cafe, and then uh, I, I remember that was like around the time that like Fight Everyone started. Okay, and yeah. I became friends with them. I became friends with Taylor and Colin. Colin was like thirteen at the time, uh, but yeah, that that's when everything kind of started to to come together. Uh, every weekend was like there was a show at the cobalt or there was a show at the Alpine in Ventura. And I would travel. I would, I would go to work. So this is like right after high school. 
Okay. I would go to work at like, I would leave my house at four o'clock in the morning, get home around five, drive, like take a shower, go straight to the Alpine, which is an hour and 20 minutes away from my house. And then come back at like two in the morning. So it was like running off of two hours of sleep or some shit. Like it was really psychotic. I remember falling asleep a few times on the way home, but it was like, you know, those were the, the greatest times of my, of my life at the time. It was, I was finally doing what I wanted to be doing. What, what were you doing? Like, like, so were you working while you were in high school? Uh, no. So I, I graduated high school and then like two months later I started working. Okay. So you start, you started working in the, like, like, like with your dad. Yeah. Okay. So it was like manual labor, like tw- 10 to 12 hours a day. It was like, it was pretty brutal for an 18 year old. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, Especially right out of high school. And like, it's kind of like your first real job and it's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, so yeah. I mean like what was, what, like what kind of stuff were you doing, you know, there? Like, do you, do you remember like some of the projects like that you were like working on? Like, you know, because like it's interesting. It's like I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm like you. What I'm imagining here, where you're, you know, you're working on, you know, like movie sets, TV sets, you know, what have you during the day, and then just like, you know, like, like you said, running on fumes to go be a part of hardcore. I just, I just, have, so I have a lot of respect for people that are like, I bust my ass all day, I work really hard, and then what I'm gonna, what am I gonna do with my free time? I'm gonna go punch people in the face and get yep. punched in the face. And that I'm was gonna, that was that was my that was my life for you know a long time. It's a beautiful life, man. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. You know, every that's when like I started getting involved on the Bridge Nine board. So I would see like uh, yes. different shows. Like uh, I went to you know the Showcase Theater and I went to Cobalt and Chain Reaction and and uh, none of these places were close to to my house. And it was like you said, running on fumes. But you know that that rush that I would get when I would, you know, get there. That's all that mattered. Like it was like, I, I just, you know, woken up for the day and time to punch in and <laughs> go to my hardcore job. Were, but, like, uh, and were people like really chill when they like, when like you were coming around, like were people like, like welcoming or was it like standoffish or kind of like, how was, how did the sort of like that work for you? Uh, I mean, like I would, I would kind of always just like travel with friends so I always felt like I had people that had my back and it was definitely like the showcase. Definitely. There was like a lot of, uh, you know, clicks and stuff like that. That's where guys like Martin and Dre and stuff like that came up. And yeah, sure. I would say the most notable person that come, that came from Palmdale that was like in a bigger band was uh prison. Mark was in blood stand still at the time. Oh okay, and yeah. They they were like the most hardcore band. Like, in the area like half the band was from victorville which was like an hour away and then mark was from palmdale and mark kind of i met mark when i was like 16 and he just kind of saw that i was like a an angsty kid that had like a passion for the music and like kind of introduced me to a lot of people so i kind of had mark as like a you know like an older brother figure that's chill that's that's good you know as as opposed to people kind of like giving you an eye or like who's this kid from the desert you know what have you having that in you know yeah, who's this kid pitting super hard and like probably just punched one of my friends in the face yeah it's like who's this who's this giant ogre <laughs> um, but uh so you know and, and like you're listing all these places like cobalt alpine showcase chain like it's like like places that i've never been to any of them actually 
Um, but I, I, I've like even living on the East Coast, I've heard these names over and over, um, just because of kind of kind of like their like legacy status, you know, like like venue wise. Um, so and it, and it's like you know I imagine like these places being far away, you know, it, it like the I'm sure like travel. It's it's not like not like going to a show twenty minutes down the street or just or even like ten. You're having to like you know, go to all these spots, but you know, I get it. I mean, there's like legendary places with legendary gigs going on. What were some of the shows that you were going to at the time, like post high school that you remember distinctly, if you do remember any? Um, I remember, uh, I think it was internal affairs and piece by piece. And it was Luis's old band. Their name was hero. It was their last show at the cobalt. And it like, that was an insane show. Like I could be getting the, the lineup wrong, but I, I know that I've seen each of those bands in the cobalt at some point, but I, I'm pretty sure it was internal affairs and hero. And it was just like every time I feel like between the, the years of like 2005 and like 2008, if someone wasn't getting their ass beat at the cobalt, then it wasn't a good show. Like <laughs> there was all, like every weekend it would just be like spill out onto the sidewalk or into the street. Someone's just getting whooped hard. And it's just energy. like, that was just, that's just something that happened every weekend. Well, I mean that, that kind of thing for me and, and you, you know, like people, some people may not, may not identify this or, or get it, but that kind of energy, uh, was what attracted me to hardcore in general. I mean, it was, it was, it's like, yo, it's like, I'm like, I'm like watching an action movie or I'm like, you know, in some cases being uh, a part of an action movie, um, you know, or it's just like that kind of like, you never know what's going to happen. That sort of volatile energy is like, you know, like I get it like that. Like you describing that to me, I'm like, Oh, that sounds sick. Like, yeah. Like, so one of the craziest shows that I, I'd ever seen was actually in Palmdale. Uh, the lineup was crazy. It was like, it was Donnie Brook, the Warriors, um, Terror, and it might have been somebody else that I, I'm missing. But like, just those three bands were like, you know, that was a perfect show. And so that that was kind of a local band. The Warriors were from Tehachapi, which was like a half hour away from Palmdale. So the Warriors yeah. played a lot when I was growing up. Gotcha. But during this show, Donnie Brook is playing. Some, like, I think he was like some racist guy started a fight with Marshall from the Warriors. Mm. And Dre got off stage and, like, tried. This was like the first time Dre's ever probably tried to stop a fight. <laughs> and from what I can remember, the guy called Dre the N word. And then it was, uh, <laughs> Ooh, oh, it was no. uh, game over from, from that moment on. Uh, Ooh. Like it literally looked like everyone at that moment just kind of like turned to the person next to them and just started fighting. Oh, every man. member of Terror, every member of Donnybrook, like everybody was fighting, and the fight went outside and then it came back inside. Like I remember, there was a point where one of the security guards or Dre, Dre was fighting this guy and. Martinez is screaming, I'm going to fucking kill you while being held back by a security guard. And then Dre like choke slams this guy like through a fucking table. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Doug, the, the guitar player from Terror, I think like 
went to get paid and they're like we're not paying you like the show's over and like tara's like yeah we're getting fucking paid and just uh, took the fucking cash box and then like i think he was like fighting the promoter's wife or something it was like <laughs> it was just, yeah. chaos was happening oh man i fucking love it like I, i'm i'm smiling ear to ear just because i'm like yes this this is the kind of energy that I, I you like to see. I was gonna ask. Yeah. I was like, did they keep having shows in this place? But yeah, yeah, dude. It was it was so weird because it was like the next week we would destroy the venue. There'd be holes in the wall. All the mirrors would be broken. And then the next week we'd come back and do it again like it never happened. It it was like Beautiful. I don't know if they just had a really great deposit or they were getting good money, but it just kept happening. Um, Love it. But yeah, dude, like all the really, really crazy shows were either at the Cobalt or at in Palmdale from what I remember. You know, obviously everyone has their, their crazy stories from their town, but I remember one time Black My Heart and On Broken Wings came and played. Okay. And yep. uh, Wheeler and Eric Scandalous got in a fight with two security guards outside. Sounds accurate. Both of them. Knocked both of them out. And then the promoter called the cops on them. Mm. And there was like this whole scene and they were like, fuck, we got to get out of here. And I was like, get in my car. And I just drove them to target. And they're like, thanks man. And it was like years later, I had met Eric again. I was like, Hey man, are you Eric? He's like, yeah. I was like, do you remember the show in Palmdale? Like with unbroken wings. And I had to like drive you to target. He goes, that was you. So we like, became better friends after that because love of that. that love that but dude. it was always this yes yeah, something something happening someone getting beat up and then you know that See, was that was Ill definitely bands, what it's yeah me i mean to, it's to those like, type of shows that that chaotic energy yeah yeah i mean you know and that's the thing is like you get involved with like wrestling later and and i feel like i mean like i could be being presumptuous here but i feel like that kind of like oh like this is like this is harsh like intense, like, you know, uh, like high energy, like this is like a high energy, like arena. This is a high energy activity. It's a high energy job. Um, and, and, and dangerous, you know? Um, I, I mean like, am, am I right in presuming that like that, that was part of your like attraction to that as well? Yes. No, yeah, there you go. I mean, like I, I figured, <laughs> um, but, uh, so, you know, you're doing, you're like you know you're you're doing your job like uh like with you know like on film movies and stuff you go into these shows you you're seeing like all this like you know like this chaotic stuff mid two thousands uh you know like the the Southern California bands the jour like uh Matera's on the rise um you know you listed a lot of names that like I'm like oh yeah like 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 that band like was you know popping from around there at the time like you mentioned the Warriors um fight everyone. Uh, and uh, eternal affairs, um, you know, like you, like I know you, you end up like doing like the work with like like on like like on film like for for like a while, kind of like what was what was going on like for you like like away from work at this time. I mean, exclusively hardcore. Respect. It was like work and hardcore. That's all I cared about. Were you going on, did you ever like during this time period, did you go on like tour with anybody at all? I mean, like you become friends with people and stuff like had that kind of like crossed, had that idea crossed your mind yet? Not really. Like I was kind of caught up in like, 
the idea where I, I just needed to, you know, build my reputation at work, which I wasn't at all. I was, if anything, ruining my reputation at work because I was just, uh, you know, I was a 20, 18 to 20 year old kid um, that only wanted to go to hardcore shows and would take days off of work if it interfered with that. So yeah, it's like I have, should. I was at a job with, you know, adults. They were, you know, men with mortgages and families. And they just see this like shithead kid that just doesn't give a fuck. Like thinking back now, I understand why, you know, they kind of didn't like me, but then it's like, you know, now they have kids that they're trying to get in the business that are doing much worse things than I was. And they're like, you know, you weren't that bad. I'm like, yeah, you know, I was just stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's the thing is like, I mean, I get it, dude. Like I got a job out of college that was basically, I was like, I just need, I just need something to give me money to so that I can like live just so I can go to hardcore shows. That's like all I, that's all I wanted to do. So I entirely get it. Like, you know, where it was like, Oh, going, going to being involved in hardcore is a thousand times more important than whatever job I have. Um, especially at that time where that's just kind of like, like you're, you're, you're getting into it. You're seeing the, like the throws of like that chaotic energy and, and, and you, you fall, you fall in love with it, you know? And, uh, no, I mean, I, I get that. Um, so, you know, you're, you're going to gigs and stuff. Uh, I, I do, I know that like eventually like you do start hitting the road with like friends, bands and stuff. When did that start happening for you? Mm. So that started, let's see, probably when I was like 22, 23. Okay. It's not terribly long after this time period. No. Yeah. It, it was, it was pretty short. I mean, I would go on like short tours with, you know, whoever was like going to the Bay and stuff like that, like a few day tours. Um, but it wasn't until I went on a couple tours of rotting out and that was like my f- full U S tours. I think that's the first time I met you. Yeah. Um, like a rotting out tour. Um, actually, yeah. If, if I remember correctly, it was like a show and like somebody had gotten evicted from a house here. Oh and, dude, that was, that was wild. Yeah. And this girl, Avery, who's still around a little bit, uh, had gotten evicted from a house and she was like, fuck it. Y'all like, you don't have this show here. Um, yeah, but they like remodeled the house and she still had the key to it or something, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Or, 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 well, because it's something like that. Because I remember when I, this must have been 2010, maybe. Yeah, no, probably. Somewhere in there. Um, 10 or 11. But uh, like, um, yeah, probably, probably some, somewhere in there. Um, But uh, I remember the the owner of the house shows up pissed and it's like what the fuck is happening <laughs> like why are there all these people here and then i, I remember it got moved to like the paint shop um that like the, was the, awesome too oh yeah paint shop was sick like there wasn't like y- you experienced one of maybe only like five shows there um if that but uh we all practiced there like like every, a lot of people practiced there at one point in time and that was just like a cool just like spot to hang and everything um but i, me- I remember meeting you i remember me you're one of the first people that I was like, oh, I've seen that guy like online. Like I, I was like, <laughs> I, I was, I was like, oh, like, I, I don't know who this is. Um, but uh, but I mean, like that was kind of like, 
and this is interesting because it's like people that are younger and hardcore probably don't understand this, but like, you know, pre, I don't know, 2009, you like vi- videos of bands were not like super, super out there or, or if they did exist, they were like, like it was like sound and fury. That's like all you really saw. Yeah. You saw stuff like that, like a sound and fury or like maybe like the posi numbers DVD or, yeah. or like some stuff like that. It And like, and if, if they were like taken with like a home camera, it was like probably like night vision and like really pixelated or like, you know, it's like the quality wasn't good. So you'd like, you know, you saw the band, like maybe it also like probably sounded like, like I remember uh, this happened to me recently. I watched some old United blood videos from like when it was like the, like that venue was still called alley cats. And, uh, I remember like when I was younger, I remember like fondly watching them and then I watched it now and I was like, Oh, this, I can't hear any, it just sounds like, it just sounds like, <laughs> yeah. but like, it didn't, yeah. it didn't matter. Like yeah. when you were watching, like watching it in admiration. Yeah. I was like, at the, when I was a kid, I was like, Oh yeah, this is fucking sick. Like, um, like it, or, or whatever I was watching it now, I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't even understand like what's being played here. Um, but, uh, but so at that time, like seeing like videos of other scenes and stuff like that was like kind of new. So if you see, if there's people that are like moshing a lot or whatever in a respective scene, you like, like notice, you notice that person. And I think for me, that was you or like, like Jay Cox was like an example of that. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I I would definitely say from like 2006 to 2000 and probably until like 2000 and I don't know. 14 mm-hmm. i was probably in like i moshed to like every band that i could that's yeah. all i wanted to do respect just go I mean, to a show hit a pit buy some merch and go home you're a mosher uh, and that's why i respect you because I, <laughs> I live the but life like, yeah i mean sound and fury 2006 was like that was the the show that like kind of really changed my life because it was like that was when i really just you know said fuck the metalcore stuff this is what's for me okay what do you remember like was it like a specific band that made you kind of like transition or make that transition or was it just kind of like just the whole general experience it was the it was just the experience and the people and just like it just felt right okay i got you 2006 that's the first year yeah okay yep 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 um so you know you're doing you're like are are you still at that time are you still living in palmdale or have you moved yet um i think i was still in palmdale okay gotcha when when did you move to the valley when i was so i moved to to santa clarita which was like where like six flags is it's like 15 minutes from the valley but that i moved there when i was 20 and then i moved to the valley when i was 22 i moved in with new Nick Jet, Nick Jet. I lived with Nick Jet for, I don't know, four or five years or something like that. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, the uh, so all right, so you're there. Okay, so like about about the time period that you kind of start traveling like outside of the area as well is you know when and you had just like you had like met Nick. I, I'm assuming just from like you know tear coming through palmdale or you traveling to kind of like showcase or or cobalt or what have you 
Yeah, I mean, once I started like traveling and going to shows, there wasn't a terror show in Southern California that I didn't go to. Especially, I mean, I I can't like I'm, I'm imagining like that time period, like one with the underdogs is out. Like that's I just I I can only imagine how electric those gigs were. Um, you know, one of my favorite shows. I I don't even remember the year. It was Internal Affairs last show at Chain Reaction, and it was Terror and Internal Affairs, and it was insane and terror played all of lowest to the low and then internal affairs just destroyed the place and it was that was like one of the coolest shows i've ever seen hell yeah shout out Corey. donnie brook might have also played that okay okay it it, does donnie brook ever like officially break up or or like are they kind of no they just they just like kind of go away for a while and then they come back and okay okay respect remember I remember uh, when I first started seeing Donnie Brook. That's when Dre would tape a hammer to the microphone, hmm. and then he would like yell at the crowd. He'd be like, "Move up!" And like, of course, nobody wants to be fucking near him because he has a hammer taped to his microphone. He's probably drunk, and then he would just start threatening that he was going to hit people with it if they didn't move up. <laughs> but then he would still hit people <laughs> if they did move up. It's, it was, you got to kind of it's a lose lose. So you know. <laughs> But uh, see, and like that's the thing is like what you just like what you're talking about, like um, it's interesting because it it's like that kind of thing. Like I'm like oh like cool that's wild like you know. But like I I, I can't think of a band in in recent years that like has sort of like that kind of energy, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's there's the bands that, like, the band members will beat themselves up, but, like, at that time, especially with, like, the bands in L.A., like, if you stood next to, to Corey Williams while he was playing a piece-by-piece set, you were going to get hit by him. Oh, yeah. Because if, if you, like, and he would hit you hard, even if you're his friend, he didn't care. Nick Jett would punch you every time. Like, you were going to get struck by the members of the band in some sense. Uh you know, there was that that show where Corey, I think his guitar broke or something, and he just took it off and just rifled it into the crowd mm. and split this kid's head open. Nah, uh, and it ended up being that that kid that was friends with Odd Future. I think his oh, name was Luke. Lucas Versetti. Yeah, so mm. it ended up being him. And uh, the <laughs> the, uh, the Lucas's dad had like messaged Corey on like facebook or something oh it was God. like hey man you know i don't think what happened was right you know we're not going to do anything and i guess like that like triggered Corey. he's like well what the fuck were you going to do anyways like instead of like saying sorry <laughs> he just is instantly confrontational about it but like those are the guys that i kind of you know grew up around and that i i loved and i eventually became good friends with for sure i remember like you mentioned that about like if you're staying near Corey while he's playing i think i watched him play for wrong side one time and that is exactly what he did to everybody standing right next to him on stage um so i i, I know what you're talking about uh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean like you know it, it's like I, I mean i remember playing some places sometimes where i'd like be like friends people in the crowd but it was the kind of friendship where like i'm singing and they punch me in the face and i'm oh, on yeah. stage you know um but uh yeah so you 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 moved to the valley you said Santa Clarita yeah I I'm gonna, after I talk to you I'm gonna need to like to get like a map of the valley and like map out all these like places and, and stuff so Santa Clarita is like the end of the Antelope Valley so 
it's kind of more in tune with like Palmdale and Lancaster than than like the actual valley. Then the San Fernando Valley like kind of is its own thing. Okay. I got you. All right, all right. I'm 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 a visual guy, so I'm still gonna take a look at it later. But I because I, I, I want to know. I want to I want to see the journey. Um, but uh, you know, you're there. Like, what's the commute like for you? I mean, is it better like it, for working with your dad, or is it worse? Better. So I'm like way closer to work. Okay, chill, chill. So that makes things for going to shows a lot easier, I imagine. Oh yeah. So I was like. When I lived in the Valley, I was like 15 minutes from the Cobalt and okay. in, you know, about an hour away from Chain Reaction and stuff like that. Were you in a band previous to God's Hate? Yeah, I was in a band called Sleepwalkers with Aldo and Guzzi. You were in Sleepwalkers? Yes. Oh, I had no idea about that. Yo, Sleepwalkers is cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I mean I like sleepwalkers. Uh, uh, what do you do? You not look? Do you do you look back on it negatively? Uh, yes and no. I mean it was like fun at the time, and then I got kicked out of the band because uh, I had like a really terrible girlfriend that I broke up with, and then I was just like kind of a horrible person to be around. And then we went on the tour, and then afterwards, although kicked me out of the band and was like, hey, man, I still want to be your friend. I just don't want to be in a band with you. I'm like, oh, okay, that's He's fair. He's being honest. What year was this? Uh, shit, 2000, uh, 2009 or okay. 10. So were you were you just singing? or? I, I knew might it might have been, been later than that. It might have been like 10 or 11. I don't remember. Yeah, I was just singing in the band. Okay, I, I know you said you had, you had tried with guitar, but I, so I didn't know if, if that had, had spilled into that at all. But um, okay. So so you know, you cut your teeth a little bit, and you know, like it being at least Aldo was honest. <laughs> um, but uh, so you know, see, so you do that. When when does God Tate start? Like officially, two thousand and fourteen. Okay, so there's there's a time period in between there where like, you know, you're, I, I mean, or that's a time period where I saw you. Like, I mean, like you're do like. Like I'd seen you like do the tours with like riding out and stuff. Um, you're still working, you know, on like film. Like, and I'm gonna I gotta ask, like, what what kind of like any kind of notable stuff that you were working on, like doing like tech work? Yeah, so I think I kind of uh, avoided the question before, but so the first movie I ever worked on when I was 18 was like Spider Man Three, and oh, then it's like okay. Pirates of the Caribbean movies and like every big blockbuster movie uh, that was happening at the time. I probably worked on like transformers whatever my dad was like on the higher you know he was a he was very well respected so he had he had all like the good jobs or his friends had good jobs so i like worked for them and uh it was always on like crazy cool shit like you know we did um that movie angels and demons with Tom oh, Hanks. Yeah, sure. And like uh we built like Vatican Square in Inglewood, California. So like it was it's awesome like doing that stuff. It's very hard work. Um and it's not something that I'm particularly passionate about, but like being able to see a lot of that stuff and like meeting, you know, different actors and stuff like that was really cool. You know, I worked on like Parks and Rec and like a bunch of different TV shows. Well, I so imagine it, it was, seeing it like it on TV or on on a movie screen after you've worked on it you're like whoa like like i 
I did that. I mean, like, that would be like how it would be for me. I don't, I don't know if, if, if it feels that way. It's like, oh yeah, like I like, but I mean, it's kind of also been like your whole life. So, so maybe it doesn't have that effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like my grandfather did it, my dad did it. So it's like, I was literally like born into it kind of. So it, I didn't really have that effect. And I think that that was the problem was that people my age now, like they, they, they've been striving to get to this point and it was kind of given to me. So I didn't really respect it as much. I don't think. Sure. Sure. Like uh, with you talk about getting all these big jobs, was it, is, I mean, like, was it like these like more high end movies? Did you get like paid better or, or was it, did it not work like that? Was it kind of like the same, no matter what you were working on? Uh, it was pretty much the same, no matter what you're working on, unless okay. it's like a lower budget thing, then, then you get paid less, but I gotcha. you know, being part of a union, that's, that's why you're part of a union. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, so that's, an, that's the thing too, is like, we don't like in the South, like unions aren't really like as like much of a thing. We don't really have them here. Um, so it's always interesting to me to like, kind of hear like how, like, like friends up North that are in them or whatnot. And like how, like you're out there, you know, doing that. Like, it's always kind of interesting. Like the guaranteed aspect of a lot of that work is, is, is good. Um, you know, but it's just like, yeah, like around here, you like, like I, I, I work with people that are, uh, I, I work for like a roofing company now, like doing sales for them. And, like I had imagined there'd be like a roofers union probably somewhere, you know, north of here. But I mean, like those guys don't get the guaranteed work like that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, you know, like I, I know you're like, you're breathing hardcore during this time period in between, you know, like sleepwalkers and God's hate, you know, like you do those tours with like riding out, um, you know, you're going to the sound and furies that are happening while they're happening. Um, you know, be it, like the original inception or, or original formation of it, or uh, when it moves up to um, Santa Barbara area. Um, Cause I remember like seeing you out at those as well. in like, like 2012. Um, and you know, like what, 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 you know, what else is going on in life? Is it just kind of like work and hardcore? Is there, you know, like has, has the wrestling bug kind of like pop back up in there or, or is that still down the line? It's still down the line. Yeah, it's just, it's just literally just working hardcore. That's all I cared about. I love that though. I mean, it's like you're keeping it simple. It's like you work to fund the experience with hardcore, and and I, I like that. So I mean, yeah, and, and then like what once I started, you know, touring and like meeting different people, like you know, once I be, like started living with Nick, and I became really good friends with Terror, and like flying to united blood and then like david kind of introduced me to everybody in richmond oh, yeah. and then like meeting bands from like long island all like the king nine guys and like the the dog pound guys like that's i became really good friends with them so then you know it wasn't just me traveling to local shows it was me traveling to shows all over the country yeah you you make that like that network um you know like you you like make those friends you know all over uh and, and everything. And, and that, I think, helps fuel, you know, like, you know, what will come, like, you know, later, where you say in 2014, God's hate starts. How did that come together and, and, and sort of like, kind of what were the beginnings of that? Uh, so me and Colin had become like really close friends. And I think that he just, he saw that I like wanted to be in a band and he wanted me to be in a band. 
but he knew that it, it had to be different than like sleepwalkers like sleepwalkers was kind of like a, a band out of necessity like i wanted to be in a band i don't know if you know aldo and guzzi were like the guys to that i should have been in a band with as far as like the music that they wanted to play versus the music that i wanted to play um but colin you know is well versed in the uh area of heavy hardcore and knew that that was like kind of my my sweet spot and kind of wrote god's hate around that okay so you know like kind of like just how you found hardcore like the the hate breed um you know it's a yeah, obviously god's hate you you pick up the marauder uh the stigmata a lot of the troy stuff um you know which which is it, it's interesting because it, it, it's like you know god's hate i associate you know obviously with you but you know with like the young brothers and and kind of like the them bringing that troy sound to like kind of like the like the modern hardcore lexicon because you know prior to to those two like i knew who stigmata was but i never heard like dying breed or or anything like that um or like uh what the section eight no yeah or uh yeah yeah yeah, that you know i never heard i never like i never like heard any of that stuff um you know so so colin like he did he like just write all the music for the demo yep he wrote he wrote everything uh i wrote most of the lyrics he helped me out with a few songs but that was like that was our project and uh then we recorded the demo in in his uh garage in taylor's studio um and then yeah we put out the seven inch so it went so i'm, I'm trying like help me out with my memory here did it go there was it just like a like an online like demo at first or did that immediately go to seven inch uh with uh, with closed casket so it was meant to be a demo like a tape uh we wrote three songs i think it was uh divine injustice um headstone and maybe admission of guilt and those were supposed to be the three demo songs and we were just going to do whatever with it see where it went but then justin had heard it because twitching tongues was on close casket at the time Mm -hmm. so justin heard it justin's from troy and he's just like yo i like let's just make this a seven inch i'll I'll put it out right away respect and it was like okay fuck well we gotta write two more songs and then we wrote two more songs and put out the seven inch <laughs> and, and, and man and like you know that comes out you've made all these connections across with people you know across the country like, like all over the world like and you know so there's a lot of energy a lot of like support i mean like i remember that came out you know and, and it popped you know like big popularly well you're it's like one of those things where it's like that that seven inch came out and was divine and justice the first track yes and so I asked that because I remember just like hearing like that first like riff on there and being it so it was like an immediately like whoa like you know because it was like soup like that was like super catchy and you immediately like knew like this is what this is what this band is about this is what's going down right now um, that's still one of my favorite God's Hate songs. <laughs> Thank um, you. Uh, yeah, it, you know we really had a great support system around that too. Like you said, I, I had made all these friendships and the first show that we had was with backtrack at aladdin juniors i don't know if you've ever been to aladdin juniors i played pbw um okay same, same place yeah so, so same I, room. I have been there that like little hallway brick mm-hmm. brick walls fucking love it i love a room yeah, like that awesome one of the one of the best venues 
to ever exist in Southern California. Love that shit. But uh, I forgot who else played it. Somebody the other day said Foundation, but I don't think Foundation played that show. But it was definitely Backtrack. So a lot of my Long Island friends were there. And uh, the show was sold out. And we weren't even on the flyer, I don't think. We were just like kind of like hopping on to play the first three songs that we had. And, you know, that was our, our first show. So we kind of got we got off to a hot start and then, you know, Justin put out the seven inch. Uh, a lot of our friends talked about it. A lot of people listened to it. And then I think a handful of shows later, we played United blood. Uh, yeah. I've been 2015. Yeah. It was, um, so there was, a, it was the next year. Yep. And, and what I remember, uh, or, or like what I think is another thing too, is that like, like you had been such a fixture and like being at like hardcore shows all over the country, you know, people like, you know, knew, you know, who you were, you're honestly like a pretty hard person to ignore considering how much of a room you take up. Um, so <laughs> it's like, you know, people know you like, you're like this guy who's out there moshing hard, um, you know, like just like a presence. So it's kind of like, Oh, that dude that I've all, it, it's that dude that I've always seen, even if somebody doesn't know you, they're like, I've always seen that guy. Oh, this is the band that he sings for. I got, I'm, I'm going to check it out. And I'm sure like people too, that, that were like, like really close to you were like, Oh, like we know how much, like kind of like you talk about Colin. We know how much this guy cares about hardcore and, 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 and all this, you know, like the world around it. It's like, you know, like, uh, they're probably just as excited as you were about you doing something just cause you know, like they could tell how passionate you were about everything. Um, so that record comes out and do you, I mean like, do you guys like hit like a tour or anything around it? Or is it kind of just like sporadic shows? Cause of work. So we did that. We did that show, uh, with backtrack. And then I think we had a, it was a weekend long tour. It was, uh, who was it? It was God's hate. I think harness and uh, what was uh, what was the straight edge band that Colin was in? Violent situation. Okay. Yep. Violent situation. Sure. Violent situation. So it was those three bands. We were all pretty new, and we were going to do like a three or four show tour. It was like uh, Pomona, Santa Barbara, the Bay, and like I think Sacramento. Okay. Um, so the week before that, uh, I went to a show at Rock City. I don't know if you'd ever been to Rock City in Oxnard. No, I I, I don't think I've even heard of it. <laughs> so that it was like a popular venue for a minute, but uh, I ended up like, um, defending Yon, Yon Lashley. Oh, and, yes, uh, the man Yon. Broke my Jan. jaw. Oof. So I got, I kind of got snuck from the side. Uh, I immediately knew something was wrong. There was like a, you know, these kids, whatever, big fight. Okay. But, and then I like went straight to the, I went straight to the hospital, like to the hospital or emergency room. And I went there and I was like, my jaw's broken. They're like, well, let's x-ray and stuff. And like, yep, your jaw's broken. Like you have uh, three options. You can get it wired. You can uh, have surgery and get a plate put in. Or you can do nothing. And I'm just like, well, uh, I got four shows to play next weekend, so I'm just going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I played the first four God's Hate shows with a broken jaw. How did uh, how did that go for you? It fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, 
<laughs> would not recommend which is funny because you know i'm sure we'll get into it but i ended up wrestling with a broken jaw for a few months Oh, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, like uh, if anybody can handle it, I imagine it'd be you. Um, But yeah, I mean, seeing the broken jaw. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they gave me those three options as well. I'm definitely picking the same thing you did. You know, I'll be like, nah, like I'll, I'll be fine if, if. Yeah. Cause like, so it was like broken where your jaw like goes up to your ear. It was like closer to my ear and like it wasn't moving and he said that it would probably heal fine so he said all the things that was like okay this is fine then i i can do this did, I, it wasn't like you know my jaw was hanging off which when i broke my jaw for the second time it was like split in half and did, uh, it was excruciating excruciating okay so the, so the, so the second like when you have a broken jaw later it, it, does it have anything to do with the first time or no no okay. completely completely different spot Okay, gotcha. So you, uh, you know, you, you do these shows, um, and 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 everything. Like, did, were you guys like immediately like working on like new material, or what? You know, was it kind of like, like I mean, did you, like, were you just kind of like like chilling? You know, like off of it at the time. I mean, I know also Twitching Tongues is doing a lot at that time as well. So it's you know, Colin and uh, it was probably not as and was Taylor in the band at the time as well. No, so it was it was me, Colin. The first the first lineup of God's Hate was me, Colin, Anthony, Wildcat, and Kale. Whoa, yeah. I, whoa! I mean, like like the Kale the Kale part. I kind of remember. I do not remember Wildcat being in there. Okay, yeah. He, so he was there for maybe like the first year. Okay, and then I can't remember if he. I don't think he played United Blood. No. I feel like I would remember that too. I don't think he did. So, I don't think we really expected it to kind of like take off like it did. And then when we got such a great response from divine injustice, we started, you know, thinking about writing an LP. Okay. So, and, so you uh, them. mass murder came out in 2015. Okay. So you, you work pretty quickly. So, you, you know, it's like yeah. you, you do the record in 14 mass murder comes out 15. Um, and, uh, so, it, you know, like again, uh, you know, on closed casket, part of like the, like, you know, the, like the family there. Uh, do you, you know, are you, are you guys kind of like, I, I remember you guys kind of playing like a lot of like events. And what I mean by that is like, I remember you doing like the no warning reunion. Um, I remember the, I remember the United blood. Are you kind of just like playing more like festivals or, or, or you, and like just doing short runs or is there ever anything longer? Uh, yeah, so we at the time we were doing like shorter stuff. We did uh, United Blood, we did um, FYA, we did uh, okay, yeah. the No Warning thing. Uh, it wasn't until Mass Murder came out that we did a couple tours. But to 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 go back to the Broken Jaw thing, I flew out to United Blood when, when Hapri played. So when Hapri played, I actually had a broken jaw at the oh, time. Oh, yeah, 14. Whew. Yeah, and, and that was like, you know, the greatest Hapri set oh, literally of all time. So God, I was just like yes. pitting as hard as I could so that nobody would get near me with a broken jaw. Yeah. Uh, I remember people stage diving on my head and just being like, this oh, is no. the dumbest thing I've ever done, but like also having the time of my life. What a set. 
like <laughs> oh man open was severed are you fucking oh, kidding me oh my god like you know and it's just like it's it's like for them too it's like such like an intimate setting like um playing like that close to the audience which like i feel like they never do um but uh yeah that like that was one of my favorite ubs 14 like specifically because like i was like oh i'm seeing hate breed in this kind of like festival setting is like all is like nearly impossible um especially now i think my my favorite thing about that set though was they played all bangers and for some reason they just thought that destroy everything would be a hit and like that was the only dud in the whole set oh really <laughs> I, I, I don't remember i do remember they were like we're definitely playing to the audience because I remember they they were hitting like mad old stuff. They might have played all of they play did they play all of Satisfaction during that set? They played most of it. Definitely, I, I remember that either they played all of it or like you said, like like most of it. Severed. Uh, yeah, they went from severed into proven. It's like that's the uh, coolest back to back. Oh man, I'm getting fucking fired up thinking about that right now. I have I have the set list in my notes. And I don't ever plan on erasing it. Please, please send me that if you can, because I, I wanna, I wanna see, uh, like, like what what was on there. Will um, do. But uh, but uh, yeah, there was just a a thing that I thought about. I, I had a broken jaw during that set. See, um, you you were just getting, you were just priming yourself for the wrestling days. You were just getting yeah, ready exactly. for for that shit. Uh, so yeah, so God Tate was doing it, mostly fests. Uh, Colin was working on that show Big Brother at the time. He was like a, a a PA and he was like trying to get into like a higher position. So his his work schedule was kind of fucking a couple things up for him as far as like doing an actual tour. Um I was kind of down to do whatever. And then once Mass Murder came out, uh we went on tour with Nails. Oh, oh, so, oh yeah. yeah I remember doing that show here. Yeah. So we we did we did that tour with Nails. It was a uh, God's hate, full of hell, um, eternal sleep and nails. Yep, that's right. I still, I, st- I still have the flyer for that. Yeah. And Colin had to work that summer, so he didn't get to go on that tour. Um, that was one of two big tours that we did. The other tour we did was with Terror. Okay. And that was equally awesome. It was uh, what's um, what's uh, Caleb from Atlanta's band? Abuse of Power. Abuse of power. So yeah, it was God's hate, abuse of power, and terror. I remember when that. What what year did that happen? Uh, fuck, I don't know. Two thousand seventeen, eighteen. Okay. So so you guys are in the like I, I, you guys, I think you guys are doing it right in my opinion. Where it's like you've got a seven inch and a record, but like you're you know it, your focus is just like on like playing when you can, not playing too much. Um. And, you know, like you're like coasting off that material in like a good way, um, as opposed to feeling like the, the need to just kind of keep, you know, pumping stuff out. Cause I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like you, you have a new record coming out soon and it's been five years. Yeah. So, okay. I think, I think that tour with Tara was maybe 2016 because that's when I was kind of like, I just started like getting into be being a professional wrestler. How did you and like so we we like have touched on that a few times. How did you get into? How did you kind of find that? How did you, how did that kind of come up for you? So, Colin was uh, his girlfriend at the time was working for the Kings, and one of the fans for the Kings knew that she was a 
wrestling fan and that Colin was a wrestling fan and he was like an old wrestler. So he was like, Hey, if you ever want to come like, you know, run the ropes or like learn to take a bump or whatever, uh, you know, I could show you those things. So Colin took him up on it and went to what, what, what became my school, uh, and did like a couple classes with him and then like posted some pictures about it and talked to me about it. And I was like, dude, how the fuck do I do this? And, uh, we went to a, like a local showcase uh, of the school and I, I like signed up for wrestling school the next day. That's was, this was in 2014. So yeah. it, God's hate and wrestling kind of started at the same time. And like, and like, you know, like what, what a good combo because it, it, it kind of like you have sort of, you know, like this, uh, sort of kind of like the like the showmanship aspect of wrestling going into kind of like the the over the top hardness nature of God's hate I feel I feel like do go hand in hand. Yeah. And I mean what they both they definitely both helped each other out. Right. And so you you start classes, you know, like do you take to it like immediately or you know or is it or is it kind of like does it kind of take like a minute to like like ease into or you know like what kind of stuff are they teaching you there? Like, you know, like, I don't know. I, don't, I have like zero knowledge of this world. So I'm interested. So the, the beginning of wrestling training is very much just like conditioning and learning like where you're like what you can do physically. Uh, it's a lot of like rolls and you learn how to bump and you learn how to run the ropes. And it's just a, like a shitload of pushups and squats and, you know, physical cardio endurance. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. God, so it's just like, like, like I'm imagining like a lot of like repetition of like different things just to like get your body used to it. A um, lot of, a lot of repetition. And then you, you, then you start to learn like basic slams and like basic holds and stuff like that. And then, you know, as it progresses, you, you start to get into more technical stuff. Uh, from beginning to end, my training was about a year and a half. Okay. So at the end of that year and a half, what was, what's kind of like the first, the first thing that you do, like what, like what's kind of like, like a, have, have you like had like a match yet or does that only happen after the training? That, that happened after the training and I, our school had like, like little showcases and it, wrestling is very much like independent music where they, you have like local shows and stuff like that. And like you have local fans and whatever else uh, you might have like a bigger wrestling name on the show with you, which would be like a bigger band, but it's very much the same beast, which kind of like helped me getting into it because I kind of mentally already knew what was going on. I knew that I had to have a good look. I knew that I needed to have good gear and I needed to have merch and stuff like that. And I already knew all the places to get all that. Mm, okay. So the, it is interesting seeing kind of like that crossover that you sort of already been trained in like an aspect, uh, you know, about it that like maybe somebody who is like, also starting out wrestling probably has like no idea about, or like, you just doesn't, doesn't know how to like kind of traverse those waters. Uh, so to speak, cause I'm sure for yeah. somebody else starting out there, like, Oh, I, I don't know where to get shirts or like, or like, I, I don't know how to promote myself. Um, I know how to wrestle, but you know, um, it's funny, it's funny because like, you know, you'll have the, the local veterans or the people that have been doing it for a while. They're trying to like, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like I already know what I'm doing and that, you know, that can rub people the wrong way, but I, I did know what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, obviously it seems to, to be working out. Um, so, you know, what, what was your first, 
like were you like was your first match like kind of publicly was it like part of one of those local showcases yeah it was it was part of the local showcase you know there was probably 40 people there okay and uh a lot of my friends came out and they were all screaming their heads off so it was like i already had like a little built-in fan base so i I think some of the wrestlers were a little jealous about that oh do, do those guys like not have any of that no, they had like maybe like you know their parents or something would show up. Ooh, yeah. So I, by comparison, I'm sure they're like, look at this guy. He just he just starts out. He like already knows how to do all like the the promotional aspect of it. He's already got fans. Like, um, I mean, it's the thing. It's like it, it's like kind of like how God's hate happened. It's like you know you make connections. You make the right connections. It it puts you you know like puts you in ahead of everybody else. Um, so. With wrestling, kind of like what was in the after like the first match, like kind of like what was like the next step for you? Like you know, like like like, like kind of like where do you where do you go there? If you compare it to kind of working in independent music, is it like you're trying to like book like matches like in other cities, or is it are you trying to get on bigger stuff locally? Like kind of what was what was the next move? Yeah, you're trying to like you know get on bigger stuff or like trying to get yourself booked in different places, and it's it's really hard like especially when nobody knows you in a place like wrestling, you know, that's where it is different than music where like someone might just take a chance on a shitty band. Like there's less of a chance that people are going to take a chance on a shitty wrestler, Mm. um, especially in a different town. But luckily my school is very well respected and, you know, people would kind of just take that merit on its own. So they're like, Oh, well you're from Santino's, you know, you can come in and you know, whatever. So on the West coast, it was, it was, me just kind of like plugging away, not making really any money um, and just kind of cut my teeth a little bit for the first, you know, year. Gotcha. So, so you're doing, you're doing your, like your job on film, you're doing the wrestling (laughs) when you can, and you're doing God's hate, you know, kind of like when the opportunity presents itself, um, and still going to shows. And still going to shows. When I can. See, see, yeah. So, you, so you, you're, your your time seems to be uh, more taken up during during this era. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, and and I had had uh, my me and my now wife were also together, so it was like a whole lot of relationships at once. Was <laughs> uh, was the lot, place- I didn't sleep much. I imagine it sounds like you're busy. Was the place that I stayed out with you was is was that the was like that where you and Nick lived when I was out there? Yes. Okay. All right. I was just I'm getting get my bearings. Okay. So I I definitely know the spot now. Um, and uh, so you know you're you know you're doing all this. You're you're getting you know like more popular in like the wrestling you know world, and you know it seems like you're getting like just from my observation more opportunities. Uh, you know, there, like, and you're, and you're saying, like, you talked about how you were initially weren't getting paid, like, but so much, but I'm, I'm sure that gets like stepped up. You're, you're kind of like, for lack of a better term, your character just seems to be like more crafted and stuff as well. Um, you know, like, do you, is there a point where you at, like are having like split time between your regular job and wrestling or, or kind of like, like, how, how are you balancing that? So once I started to like kind of break out of the like Southern California wrestling scene and like I started to travel to different states, like that's when it kind of started to, to become a realization that I could probably make this like an actual job. Okay. Um, you know, I was I wasn't making nearly what I was making doing doing lighting, but I I was coming close, like between merch and and 
you know, my appearance fee and stuff like that, it was, it was starting to, you know, put some extra money in my pocket and I could see that my, I, in a short amount of time, I was already gaining a lot of traction than a lot of other people had. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was definitely splitting time and there wasn't really time for hardcore any, anymore. Um, you know, I was wrestling when usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Thursday through Sunday and traveling all that time in between. So I was taking days off of work. I was taking Fridays or Mondays or whatever off that I needed to. Um, at this time I'd kind of like built my relationship back with my job. So probably when I was like 25 or 26, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to like actually have a stable job that like people want to hire me for sure uh like out rent and whatever else and if i'm gonna like a- afford this wrestling dream then i need to figure it out so i i was able to to work with some people that you know were pretty understanding and they thought what I, what i was doing was pretty cool so uh you know they would give me the time off when i needed it and yeah it was just a lot of traveling and and not a lot of downtime what, what kind of places were you traveling to uh i mean anywhere honestly but normally it was like you know i would have a show in la on friday a show in seattle on saturday and then a show in chicago on sunday or like some it was all over the place so it was like flights everywhere uh sleeping a couple hours in the hotel room getting home you know either late sunday night or early monday morning and then sleeping for a couple hours and going straight to work it was like it was hell all those flights. Yeah. I mean, that that's definitely, and you're, you're doing something super physical too. So oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, it, like honestly, like probably even more physical than like playing on stage. Cause it's just so much like wear and tear in your body. Yeah. I mean, um, you're getting slammed and like everything else. And then you're cramped on a, on a airplane for five hours. Yeah. Like you say you, you end up having to like wrestle with like a broken jaw later. When did that happen and, and and kind of like what, you know, like what sort of ensued? So my list of injuries is pretty extensive uh, in wrestling. I've broken my leg. Uh, that was like early, early in my career. Uh, I broke my tib, tib, tibula, uh, which is like the non-weight bearing bone. And I didn't know that it was broken. And I like wrestled the next day and like went to work the next day and was like climbing up and down ladders and stuff. And I thought that I pulled a muscle in my leg and then I like went to the doctor and like, Oh, your leg's broken. I'm like, what the fuck? So that was like an eight week healing period. Um, I've torn both my ACLs and uh, what else broke my jaw. I'm probably missing something. Oh, I broke my hand. <laughs> it's just like a lot, for, a lot of wear and tear on your game, body. man. Golly. So uh, the 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 point that I broke my jaw was I had just signed my contract with Ring of Honor. So between 2015 and 2018, uh, I was you know started wrestling, traveling traveling a lot, and then I got asked to sign a contract to Ring of Honor, which is like one of the biggest wrestling companies in the world. Which is like that's your end goal, pretty much as a professional wrestler, is to you know have it become your job. Right. And uh, so my, one of my final matches on the independence was for my school. And uh, I was wrestling one of my friends and he gave me a kick to the face and 
put a little bit extra on it and it uh broke my two my back molar and it like split it in half and i had to get emergency dental surgery that night and there was like a hairline fracture underneath the tooth so when he pulled the tooth it just separated the the job but my whole jawbone separated Mm. and this was like two o'clock in the morning and i couldn't like go to a, a emergency room or anything to like get it fixed so i had to go home i have a photo in my phone of like my head wrapped up it looked like a cartoon like where i have like the bow on top and it's just like holding my jaw together <laughs> um and then yeah i had emergency jaw surgery the next morning this was like two days before christmas and you what year is this uh 2018 okay okay so not not too terribly long ago i mean like how i mean how's it healed up uh so the doctor told me under so i I got a plate put in my jaw that's that held it together and then my jaw was wired shut and the doctor was like listen you cannot wrestle for at least six months like you if something hits it you you could be fucked forever i said okay and then i wrestled two matches the next weekend (laughs) one in a cage match and one in a like no ring wrestling match, but these were like my last independent wrestling matches. So I felt like I owed it to the promotions and that had like stuck their neck out for me. It, you know, in retrospect, I probably still would have done it, but it wasn't smart. Sure. And uh, I just signed a contract with ring of honor. So I had come back to work to ring of honor. And it's just like, Hey, listen, my jaw's wired shut and it's technically broken, but I'm fine. And they're just like, what, (laughs) like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I mean, uh, I'm surprised so they're yeah, not used to that. Great shit. first impression. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they, they, you know, you, you give them. Yeah, you know, they already signed you, but I mean, like it's telling them it's like, hey, man, I'll work through any condition. So, yeah. Um, so it kind of like the and like we're gonna get to. Well, I'm gonna ask a couple questions about like kind of like or like one main question about the wrestling up until uh kind of like I guess pandemic time period, and, and then we'll circle to to the God's Hate stuff, um, for the new record. But like what. So between that time and now, you know, like you, you get signed to ring of honor, uh, you sign the contract there. Like, you know, like, are you like traveling like way more? Like what, like what changed for you in that regard? Once you kind of signed that contract. So I actually started traveling way less. It was the case, um, you know, with independence, you never know. You don't have a guaranteed paycheck. So you only make money if you're at the show. So I was wrestling three, four days a week, uh, making money there, selling merch and stuff. Whereas Ring of Honor, you might work one or two weekends a month and they pay way better. So, you know, everything became a little bit scaled back. It nice. was, it was, it was able to give me more time with my wife and, you know, kind of just take it all in and, you know, be able to recover more. Uh, that's the thing, like on independence, you're not recovering, you know, your body's just getting beat down. And then especially you're going to your, your regular job during the week. So you have no time to, to rest. Uh, it's going to leave a lot of wear and tear on your body. So now I'm able to, you know, rest and recover. I'm still going to work all week, but it's not as bad. And everything becomes a little bit more manageable. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, so I mean, it, it sounds like 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 the trade off is a lot better. You're getting more money, and you're beating yourself up less. Yeah. Um, so, since I mean, like you know, since beginning of 2020, like you know, have 
like what what's kind of been going on for you in regards to both wrestling and the lighting? Uh, so I've pretty much decided to like retire from my lighting career. Okay. Uh, at least for now, I still have my union card, and like if I ever need to go back or want to go back, I can. But it's just wrestling's kind of paying the bills now, which is very fortunate for Bro, that rocks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's you know I'm kind of living the dream as you would say. Um, but yeah, re- you know the pandemic is a uh, it's a real wrench in the works. I don't think I, we're still trying to figure out how to navigate through it. But for the first half of 2020, I didn't do anything. I just you know sat at home and you know, had, had a kid <laughs> and, uh, congratulations. Had my second, had my second kid. So yeah, while I was like traveling on the independence and stuff, I, Emily got pregnant and it's just like, Oh shit, uh, we're going to have a son and I need to figure out how to be there for him. And that's kind of why I started going a little bit harder and I ended up getting signed. So that, that also, you know, left me more time to be a father. That's good. Uh, so yeah, in 2020, Emily got pregnant again. Uh, we had a daughter in August, so she's six months old now. Um, so that that took up a lot of time, uh, you know, raising my son and also having a pregnant wife. That kind of distracted me from not doing anything else. Uh, but yeah, wrestling wise, nothing was happening until July. We started to like kind of do no ring or uh, no crowd shows, okay. which was very bizarre. I mean, sure. it's like playing a hardcore show to nobody. You're used <laughs> to feeding off that energy, and then there's just nothing. Yeah, and it's 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 super bizarre because you like you look at the year before and you did all these crazy things. Like I wrestled in Madison Square Garden, like oh, to twenty thousand right. people, and now I'm wrestling to literally nobody. Dude, so wild! Like it's like it, it is so bizarre, uh, but. You know, I think we're learning to adapt, and and it becomes a little bit more natural uh, every time we do it more. You know, we've probably done it ten times by now. It, I wrestle once, probably one week in a month. It's scaled a lot back, but it's given me time to you know let my body recover, and I've started you know having a, a better weight training routine, and everything else has been more manageable. Uh, especially, you know, being home with my kids and stuff like that. That's like the best part of it. Oh, of course. I mean, like I'm about to say, it's like there's kind of a silver lining to it there where it's like you're letting yourself, like you said, heal and, and not, you know, putting as much wear on yourself. But you also have like, you know, like a, like a like a daughter and your son. So you, you get to spend more time with them because you're not as tied up. So, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I guess there's a positive way to look at it as well. Um, And so, you know, like what we'll talk about here at the end is uh you've got uh the new self-titled God's Hate record coming out this month. Um you know uh, by the time this comes out there'll be a couple new tracks. Uh we got Be Harder out as well as uh, the song God's Hate. How you know talk you know it's been 5 years talk to me kind of like like how, how did this record come together? Uh you guys have three guitar players now as well. Like you know yeah. there's a lot of a lot of wild shit going on. Crazy album art. Like you know like 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 tell me it all. So uh, another thing that the, that the pandemic kind of afforded us was just time in general. So we had been kicking around the idea of doing a new guys hate record uh for a little bit 
you know, God's Hand was always just kind of a side project. Um, Twitching Tongues was Colin's main thing, and then wrestling became my main thing. So God's Hand was just kind of there for whenever we wanted to play a show. Like, we got to come out and do that United Blood show where we played at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it was, like, the worst show on the planet. But it was fun. (laughs) Uh, You know, it it makes for a good story, at least. Sure. (laughs) uh, I felt so bad, dude. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, uh, you know... It was it was never supposed to be like a serious thing, and then probably in the beginning of at the end of 2019, we started to really seriously talk about it, and I think Colin really started to like put some stuff together like in his head, and was like, okay, like this is what we should do, and this is the direction that we should go in, and and the whole basis was kind of going back to the to the divine injustice, like being as aggressive and like as hard as possible i like that and that was kind of like just the basis of the of every song and because of the pandemic we were able to just take our time with writing and recording it and you know we kind of punished taylor for almost a whole year (laughs) like he he had to deal with us demoing songs and doing vocal tracks and everything else took up more time than any band he's ever had probably five bands combined and wow, you know, okay. he, got he, got, he got paid not enough for it that's for sure but hopefully one day it'll pay off for him uh, I'm sure. uh, he seems to be doing pretty good so <laughs> but um, yeah every, every song i felt like you know really got a lot of time and if we didn't like something then we just changed it and it, it was really cool to have that like that freedom and you know obviously that's because taylor has his own studio and he's one of our best friends and you know colin is his brother if all these things didn't happen then we probably wouldn't have been able to make such a a good product that we that i feel like we did well yeah and you know also it's kind of like with the way the world is right now with like people not being able to do as much it's like taylor has the time you know to to work on that whereas like if there's bands on like touring cycles and 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 things of that nature like it may not have like allotted for that kind of time so it, it's you've taken kind of like kind of from the wrestling world to your your musical career like you know or not career but your musical endeavors it's like you've been able to kind of like pull the good out of what a lot of people look at as kind of like a setback time period um but having that additional time like you know it seems to i mean we're getting a new god's hate record out of it you know, yeah, which, and, you know, and with the with the album artwork, I, you know, everyone see, says how psychotic it is, which it is, and it like it's sick. It is, it is fucking sick, and it's awesome. It's more than I could have ever asked for, and it came at a perfect time too, because you know, Mark, the tattoo artist, my tattoo artist was, he's a longtime friend of mine, big fan of hardcore. Uh, I was like, listen, dude, like we want you to do the record cover. He did the insert artwork on Mass Murder. And that was like the first thing he did for us. Oh, okay. But I was like, I want you to do the record cover. I want it to be like, I want it to be Punisher meets fucking Shogun meets like Terminator. And he's like, got it. <laughs> and it was <laughs> he, just like, he did get it. we didn't hear, we didn't hear from him for like a couple months. And I'm like, Hey man, are you doing anything? I was, yep. Uh, I, I'm planning on it. I got everything kind of like sketched out. I'm going to start painting it soon. And it, it took a while. It took him a while, but, then he like was like, "Hey, I'm done." And then he sent it to us, and we're like, "Holy oh fuck! Like, what did you do, dude?" Yeah, I mean, I met, I mean, it's things. I, I see that with how much detail and how crazy it is. I'm like, "Ah, oh, this guy didn't do this in like an afternoon." So you can no. tell it probably took 
took some time. Um, but yeah, looks awesome. Uh, the like, you know, the songs I've heard from it are really cool. Outstanding God's hate material. Uh, you know, and also we're in a time period too, where it's like people aren't getting as much new music as, uh, they would normally. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like you talk about Palmdale where it's like, you know, like a time period where it's like, uh, not as much is coming through. So people are hyper appreciative of what is coming through. So that's kind of how I feel about taking in like new metal punk and hardcore right now, where it's like anything that comes out, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to really sit with this. Um, you know, because not, not as much comes out right now. So, uh, I, I think, I think that like the one good thing that maybe this, the whole pandemic will really take out of everyone is that I feel like a lot of people took a lot of stuff for granted. Yes, sir. And like, you know, even the small stuff that you never thought about, like going to a show or like me with wrestling and playing or, you know, performing in front of a crowd, like just those little things didn't, they don't exist anymore. And if they ever do exist again, I feel like people aren't going to take that shit for granted anymore. And it's like some hardcore kids not going to care if it's, you know, a, a youth crew band or like a heavy hardcore band or whatever, like they're just going to go and they're going to go off and have fun. And like, you know, whenever crowds are back, I'm sure the crowds are going to be crazy for wrestling shows. And as a wrestler, I'm definitely going to go, you know, 10 times as hard because of that. Precisely. I mean, I love to hear it. Hey man, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, really excited about the new record and I'm, uh, I'm glad everything is doing. It's sounding like it's doing pretty well for you, man. Yeah. I mean, I feel guilty in saying that, you know, everything has been so good because it's been so unfortunate for a lot of people. But personally, everything has been going well for me. Uh, you know what? That's all I hope for any of my friends. Uh, appreciate you, Brody. And, uh, you know, for everybody listening right now, make sure to pick up the new God's Hate record if you have not. comes out this month. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I want to say thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Just like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, if you want more Forum of Passion episodes, uh, subscribe to our Patreon at www.forumofpassion.com. Patreon.com slash form of passion. Thanks again, everybody.